Notice that I've written here on the top of some printouts here, life, L-I-F-E, life in Christ. And that's exactly what we have come to. We have come to that life which is Christ. So we're talking about the reality of being in Christ. And in this session, I want to just emphasize the things that are now, N-O-W, the things that are now, not the things that are yet to come, because frankly, all of those things that were to come, the things that are set forth in the Old Testament prophets and the things that are set forth uh, under the old covenant, those things are now come in Christ. I'm talking about the promises that, that are given, the prophecies that are made, the salvation uh, that is Christ, the reality of being in Christ, the things that are now, what we now have in Christ. So that's what I want to look at here, and that's what we've been talking about, but I want that to be the emphasis uh, for this session today. Now we've been reading, uh, among other places, but we've been reading here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5, and I just want to Read there again in chapter 4 and the first verse or two in chapter 5. Remembering, remembering that our theme, the truth that we are looking at is, I repeat, the reality to which we have come, the reality of the salvation to which we have come, and that reality is in Christ, Christ Himself being the substance of that very reality, our union with Christ. And uh, again, hon, so much of the theology of religion, and I'm speaking of the Christianity as a religion, puts that reality off somewhere into the future uh, in a coming so-called dispensation. But the Scriptures declare again and again and again that we have now come. We have now come. And having said that, I, I want to read there, but there, there's a verse that just comes to my mind, and it's in Ephesians 2. So remember, remember the point, the now coming, the now time, what, what we now have in Christ, that to which we are now come. 
in Christ Jesus. And what a tremendous subject this is in that it, my goodness, it takes in, well, it takes in everything in the Scriptures, uh, everything given in the Scripture with regard to our salvation from Genesis right on through Malachi uh, is a promise, a prophecy, a type and shadow, a testimony given of God, all of the feasts that we have gone through in these studies over the years, the feasts of the Lord in Israel, all of those things are pointing to a salvation that we have, that we are now come to in the person of Christ. The, the New Testament, hon, is not an, another prophecy about a salvation yet to come. The New Testament is a declaration of the salvation that is now come in Christ. And th that salvation is not just a salvation that deals with sin. It is a salvation that brings us from being dead in sin, brings us from death unto life, that life which is Christ himself. I'm very careful anymore about saying that we have come from being dead to sin to our being alive in Christ. Well, the reality of it is that salvation, now listen to me carefully, is not about me being alive in Christ. And, I'm, and I know I may, be, I may sound like I'm splitting terms here or splitting religious hairs here, but just listen to me. What we have in Christ is altogether different than what we had in Adam. For there we had sin, there we had death, you understand? And there we had soul life, that life that had been ostracized from God, dead in sin, under an administration of death. And we have come from that unto Christ. But once again, we, we, it's common for us to say that we were dead in sin, now we are alive in Christ. But if you're not very careful in that, we, you continue to keep the focus upon we. We. And in Adam, the focus is certainly upon us. It would do you well to read Romans 5 before ever reading Romans 6. And you would find that it is about two men. The one, the first man, Adam. The other, the second man, Christ. And our relationship with the one, Adam, is nothing like 
our relationship with Christ. It can't even be compared to it. And I, and I see that, that many try to do that. They, they, just, they want to make the difference of our being in Christ over against our being in Adam. They just, they want to make, they, I say, theologians, and, and, and some who uh, focus still upon you and I, upon man, uh, they want to make the differences that, well, we were one place, now we are another place. Uh, and, and in a way, I mean, that is a reality, that is a truth. We were once in Adam, now we're in Christ. But there's a great consequence to that. There's a great consequence to that, hon. We were dead in sin, dead in Adam, and sin ruled, and that is very true. But the answer to that was not just taking me as it were, or you as it were, out of Adam and putting us into Christ, where, well, we were dead in Adam, but now, i say again, we are alive in Christ. You see, you miss the cross. There was great consequences to being in Adam. Great consequences. God spoke of that in the garden. Thou shalt surely die. And hun, Christ kept that appointment. In, in, in Philippians, he became obedient Philippians, the uh, second chapter, he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. See, the cross is not the place where you and I are just taken out of Adam and placed into Christ. No, no the cross is the place where Christ gathered into himself Every one in Adam. He gathered into himself the whole Adamic humanity. Humanity. See, I, I have a problem when Christians say that what we are in Christ, or when theologians say what we are, we're a new humanity. See, that doesn't make sense to me. Because we are not a new humanity, we are a new creation wherein there is no humanity actually found. There's no Greek, I mean, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, bond, free, male, female. These are things of humanity. You understand that? Salvation, the life that we have in Christ is not a better soul life. It is not a better human life. It is an altogether different life. It is not a human life at all. It is the very Son of God Himself. It is life Himself. It is He, well, what does He say about Himself in that great letter to the church that John wrote called the Revelation of Jesus Christ, he says to John, I am he 
that liveth. This is uh, Revelation 1, verse, what is it? Verse 17 and 18. I am he that liveth. And we could talk an hour about those few verses right there and the circumstance of it, but you can go there and look at it in the first chapter of that book. I am he that liveth. And he isn't saying there, I am one among many who live. No, I am he that liveth. He gathered everything of humanity into the cross in his own body, in his own soul. And he laid it down at the cross and brought all humanity into his death, past, present, future, the whole Adamic creation. But I'm calling it all humanity because that's what the Adamic creation is. And I don't think, or I, I believe that there are many who have not realized that yet. They, 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 they say, oh, well, we were in old Adam. And, and they talk about like that like it was some kind of a, uh, you know, some kind of a human condition, but now we're not in, we're still human, we're not in that condition anymore. Uh, we're now a new humanity in Christ. But we're not a new humanity, we're a new creation, the likes of which has never been seen by the natural eye. We're not another Jerusalem. New Jerusalem is not a makeover of the old, hon. The new, the newness of that Jerusalem is Christ himself. It's not just another, a better Jerusalem. That, you know, the Jews tried to do that several times, and it never did work. And so we haven't come to a, just a different, you know, a Jerusalem made over. We're, we're not a made over humanity. We're not a cleaned up uh, humanity. Uh, we're not that. We talk about being a, a saved humanity, but we seem to fall short of the understanding of what that means. Saved from what, you understand. But my point is just this. The new humanity is not found in Christ. Another humanity is not found in Christ. A better soul life is not found in Christ. What we find in Christ is who He is, son. And that's why the doctrine of dispensationalism is not right. Why isn't it right? Because everything we have for salvation is the living person of Christ himself. Christ will never be greater than he already is. He will never be more real than he already is. He will never be more life than he already is. We have come to a perfect salvation in a perfect person, the person of the Son of God Himself. 
we, we may grow up in that, in an understanding of that. We have to grow in an understanding of that. But what we have in Christ will never be added to of God because it's pleased Him that the fullness of God, the fullness dwelleth in Christ. Even the fullness of the Godhead bodily is now in Christ. And honey, the same place where Paul says that in, in, in Colossians 2, he says, who goes on to say, and you are complete in Him. You have found the completeness in Him. You are complete in the perfect one. Now that's what we have come to in Christ Jesus. So we haven't come to a new humanity. We have come if any man be in Christ, and that's right here where I've been reading to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5, right there where I've been reading to you. He is a new creation, not a made-over one, not a better, no, a new creation, an altogether other. For instance, for instance, when Jesus, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, what did he tell Nicodemus about the new birth? Because, you know, you must be born again is the way the King James says it, but the better rendition of that verse, many of you know this, is you must be born from above. But Nicodemus asked Jesus, and Nicodemus was a Pharisee of the Pharisee, a leader of the Pharisees. Uh, he was... He was one of the smartest guys around in the Scripture, you understand. He, he wasn't just a, just a part of the, of the Jewish crowd. This man, uh, this man was as taught as Paul was, actually. But he asked this question. He said, That's how can I enter back into my mother's womb? And Jesus told him, you missed the whole point. You missed the whole point. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And then Peter goes on to say, being, B-E-I-N-G, being born again, being born from above, not of corruptible, but, and here's our not but that we find over and over again, particularly in Paul's writings, separating the one creation from the other, separating flesh from spirit, separating Adam from Christ, separating soul life from the life of the eternal spirit of God, Christ himself. And Peter says that, not not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. When do we take on incorruption? When we're born from above by the incorruptible seed. Now, growing up into Him, yes. Being clothed upon, just as it were, sinking into the garment of Christ being clothed upon. Yes. Yes. 
but that with whom we are being clothed upon is perfect. Perfect salvation. Hunt, if we would just focus our attention, the eyes of our understanding, our heart, the affections of our soul upon Him. Because He is the salvation to which we have come. He is the life to whom we have come. An altogether different life. And that's the reason that it's not one thing for us today, and then in the future it will be something else. There is no something else to Christ. There is our coming to know Him as we should know Him. There is our coming to grow up into Him in all things. There is the revealing of that Son as to who He is, the fullness of Himself. There is that work of the Spirit ever and ongoing. It is an eternal work because our life is an eternal life. So now I'm talking about something that's real, something that is now. And I, and I was pointing you to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Uh, verse 12, Ephesians 2, verse 12. Paul writing to the Gentiles here, and, uh, well, verse 11, Therefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hand. So he's bringing both Jew and Gentile into this conversation, that at that time you were without Christ. Look at that. At that time you were without Christ. Now, he goes on to say in other places, at that time we were enemies of God. Yeah, that's in the first chapter here. Let me see. The first chapter, the first chapter, the first chapter of Genesis. Uh, uh, no, the second chapter, but in the first few verses. Uh, look, at chap look at verse 2. We're looking at verse 11 of Ephesians 2. Look at verse 2 of Ephesians 2. Wherein, in time past. Ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, both Jew and Gentile, both Jew and Gentile, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and look, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And in here he says, But God, who is rich in his mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Now, we're going to skip on down. 
We're going to skip on down here because he's still talking about the same thing. And I want to talk about that love down here in these verses because a lot of times we don't seem to get down that far. So again, look, remember that ye being in what? Time past. Just read that, didn't I? Verse 2, wherein in time past. You walked according. And he specifies some things. One was you were enemies of God. You were enemies of God. You, 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 the lust of your flesh, fulfilling the desire of your flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But what does he call it here? Being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh. Verse 12, that at that time, how does he sum all of this up now? You were without Christ. There's the summation of it, without Christ. Being without Christ, verse 2, you walked according to the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, the spirit that now worked. Being without Christ, here was your condition. Being without Christ, verse 3, verse 4, here is your condition. And then the love of God, the love of God was made manifest. And he talks about us being quickened by the very life of Christ. And when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. That's life. Quicken is a word that means life. Life. He quickened us with life. He quickened us with life. The quickening is the work of the Spirit of God in you. It is the Spirit of Christ. Quickened us. Quickened us together. That means as one body, because he's talking about the body of Christ here in chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 and 22 and 23, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And then he says, now before this, before you were that body, then this was your condition. And here's what he did through the love of God. And all of this, is, I'm going to show you, all of this is about the cross, honey. We've got to look at this. All of this is about the cross. When we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, which means as one, as one body, with Christ. He quickened us with Christ. See, that's not just a better life. That's not just another life. That's not a better soul life. That's not, well, we were living in Adam in sin. Now we're living in Christ. My whole emphasis here is going to be that it is not that we are living in Christ. The truth of it is Christ is living in us. Now, I know that because He is in you, you are in Him, and as being in Him, you are quickened together, quickened as one body, His body, because the life-quickening Spirit is living in you. Hallelujah to God. Not only has He quickened us together, by grace you are saved, but hath raised, 
hath raised us up as one body and made us set as one body in heavenly places where? Here's where I'm coming. Where? In Christ Jesus. When? Well, when did He quicken us? Born from above, the life-quickening Spirit. Quickened my soul, which was dead in sin. With what? With Himself. His life-quickening Spirit. The one who is eternal life Himself. Born of incorruptible seed. The very Spirit of Christ quickened my soul. Not to just something better, not to something of better humanity. No, that which is a flesh is flesh. That which is humanity is humanity. But that which is Christ is Christ. And it is Christ who is now living in us. Not simply in the way many in the way of our vernacular Christ giving us life no Christ who is life living in me now Paul says that it is not I he says I am crucified with Christ Galatians 2:20 yet I live nevertheless I live yet not I Christ liveth in me hun that's just it isn't it that's just it. That's why in dispen that's why if there were dispensations, a million of them could go by and Christ would still be my life. Because life is eternal and that eternal life lives in me and he lives in you who are born from above who are born of incorruptible seed. And because of that, we are of Him said to be in Him. You will know that I am in my Father. You will know I am in my Father. You are in me. I am in you. That is the union unto which we are now come. Look at these verses where I'm reading to you now. Hath raised us up. Hath. Not one day will. This word raised up means resurrection. It's resurrection. Who did Jesus tell his disciples and, and, and Mary and Martha and there in John 11? In John 11, who did Jesus say that he was? I am. They were looking for a resurrection yet to come. They were looking for a resurrection in the last day. That was Jewish doctrine, uh, the Pharisees, and, not the, and, and uh, not the Sadducees. But anyway, it was Jewish doctrine. What did he say? I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, hon. He didn't say, I do resurrections. One day I will do resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm the resurrection that all of the scripture has talked about, that all of the prophecy, prophets have prophesied about. I am. 
I am the resurrection. I am the restoration. I am, I am, I am the reconciliation. I am. That's me. I am. It isn't something that I do. It's who I am. But unless I'm dwelling in you, it is not true for you. You are yet dead in your sins. Salvation, Jesus would say, is me living in you. I am the resurrection. See, there's people still looking for the resurrection. There's people still looking for reconciliation. There's people still looking for restoration. Of course, reconciliation is by His death. Reconciled by His death, much more we are saved. And the word there in Romans 5 means made whole by His life. We have received, honey, His life. Which is not aside from Him. Because He is life. Life is who He is. And we are now come to life in Christ. Let me... Let me go on now. I've, I've taken longer than I wanted to here, but maybe it was necessary to do that. Raised us up. Made us to set. Established us. In, as one body in heavenly places in Christ. So that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness Toward us through Jesus Christ. Not in ages to come he might get around to doing this. No. He does it now in his son. If you have the son. You have. This that Paul is declaring. Quickened together. Raised together. Seated together in heavenly places. In Christ. This is one of the realities that we've been talking about. Of being in Christ. Quicken, raise, seated, the reality of being in Christ. Hallelujah. This isn't something that is yet to come. This is something that in the ages to come, we will continually be knowing and continually be walking in and established in. That in the ages to come, to show the exceeding riches of His grace, we will be growing up in Christ. We, for the ages to come, will be seeing the reality that we now have. Because the reality we now have is Christ Himself. But in ages to come, we'll yet be knowing Him. Yet be seeing Him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God, hon. It's not in the ages to come, God will get around to doing all. No, it's finished now in Christ. Our salvation in Him. And then, he's, then, then he, verse 10, we're His workmanship. But we are His workmanship. Verse 10, right here where we're reading in, in, in chapter 2 of Ephesians. And it's the same place that I've been reading over here in 2 Corinthians 2. Chapter 4 and 5, it's the same thing. If any man be in Christ over there in 
chapter 5, verse 17 of 2 Corinthians, if any man be where? In Christ. If any man be in Christ. Look, we've just been reading about it. If any man be in Christ. But Paul is writing to a, a different group of believers, but he's saying the same thing that we just got through reading here. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Not a new humanity. Not something brought over from the old and made you. No. Old things are passed away. Behold, the new is come. I know in the King James it says, Behold, all things uh, uh, are become new. But the best translation, son, I'm not making this up, says, Behold, the new is come. See, the true translation always points to Christ, not to something He does. I am the resurrection and the life. I don't know how we switch that around and say, well, He's the life, and one day He'll be the resurrection. He is the resurrection and the life. Life, can, life cannot be understood by saying He gives us life. The reality of that is He is our life. He is the life that we have. Christ liveth in me. Paul says that very clearly, and the Spirit of God reveals that in the heart and soul of every believer who will seek to know Him in that, in that reality, in that way, opening the eyes of our understanding. So here he says again, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That good work is the good work that God has finished in his son, honey. Yeah, that's what it is. He planned it before the foundation of the world and brought you and I into that good work, into the good pleasure of his will. We will be reading here one of these days concerning uh, the good works to come, which were spoken of in the Old Testament. And then it goes right on and says, Christ being come, our high priest, the priest of those good things that were to come, are now come in Christ Jesus. The good works that we walk in are the work of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, honey. So he says, at that time, you were without Christ. Verse 12, now I'm going back there. From the covenants and promises, having no hope without God in this world. In verse 13, I come over here just to read verse 13. But now in Christ. See? Time passed. But Paul is saying, time past is time gone. You haven't come to time past. You had this condition in time past. But now, in Christ, 
And he doesn't give them a lesson here in dispensationalism. He speaks to them concerning what Christ is now. But now in Christ, ye who were sometimes far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. See that? And we could go on with the rest of that chapter. With the rest of that chapter. Look at verse 18. For through him we both have access by what? One spirit unto the Father. This is not a new humanity. This is a spiritual creation. A spiritual creation. The workmanship of God, verse 10 that we read. His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Blessed be the Lamb of God. You see that, hon? But now in Christ, you were once uncircumcised, called that by the Jews who were circumcised by hands, made by hands. But now in Christ, you who were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. What I wanted to say over here was Paul brings all of this to the cross. And he did just where I've read. And he'll do it every time if you'll just go ahead and look at it. Christ brought into himself a whole creation, Adamic creation. And put it to death in his death. And out of that death, one, one, one son, one life, one seed, one came forth. Like as Christ was raised up out from among the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Only one came forth, hon, and only one life now lives in us. Else we be dead. Only one life now lives in us. And that, but look at that life. Why only one life liveth in us? Because there is only one life. There always has been. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And John goes on to say, this is the life. This is life. Life himself. And in that same book of John, Jesus 
takes over the narrative. So much of the time in the Gospel of John, more than in any of the other Gospels, the way it is, the way it is written, the way it is printed, the way it was published. And I don't mean modern day publishing. I mean the way Matthew wrote, the way Mark wrote, the way Luke wrote, John wrote. And his whole emphasis was upon more than the others, the narrative of Christ. And it is Christ continually declaring himself to be over and above all other things to be that life that was promised of God, that life for which the Jews, he said, search the Scripture. In them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. But you won't come to me. You'd rather come to the idea of life, the idea of having life, than to come to life himself. I'm standing here in front of you, he says, and you won't come to me that you might have life. Over and over and over. I mean, all the way through John, hardly, there's, there's hardly a chapter to where reference is not made to him, by him, being life. Particularly in those chapters from chapter 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and 10 and 12 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 and on and on and on. We have come to life, hon. We're not coming to life one day. If you're born from above, ye have come to life. Jesus says that. You have come from death, the whole realm, the whole creation of death, in which was sin, in which Satan rules, in which darkness rules. You have come from death unto life. Hun, he's the life. He is the life. And that's primarily what I wanted to say today concerning what we have come to in Christ is now. And there isn't other things to come. Oh, <laughs> There is much that is come, like, yes, Him in His fullness. There is much to be learned. There is much, and by learning I mean to be seen by the eye of the Holy Spirit. There is much to know by the knowing of the Holy Spirit. For He will take that which is me and show it unto you. Oh yes. But hon, that to which we have come, we have now come in Christ. And there's nothing beyond that. I had a person one time They sat down with me about that and, and they said, well, then that, that leaves us without an expectation. And I said, oh no, wait a minute, wait a minute, honey. That leaves us with a fulfilled expectation. But you see, 
since the fullness of Christ is the fulfillment of it, we shall ever be having that expectation satisfied. It doesn't go away. That's, what, that's how Christ, see Christ is not an event and then it's done, but a lot of people look at our salvation or look at what they call salvation and they say, well, you know, I remember when I went to the altar. Well, honey, I do too. I was six years old and it was real. I remember that. But that's come and that's gone. But what happened then, what really happened then that I knew nothing about, didn't know anything about for years. Oh, I knew I was saved, but I, I was told, you know, that that was an event and my sins were forgiven and I'll do the best I can and all of that kind of stuff. What I'm trying to tell you is that our life in Christ is not an event unless you want to make it an event that is without time, an event that is ever, 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 ever ongoing as to its eternal reality. But I'm telling you, it's a person. It's life, darling. There are many events that take place in life, even in human life, but none of those events are actually that life. They happened because there was life. Somebody living. Even in humanity. But if you bring that right over into Christ. Oh my. Then it becomes eternal. Then it becomes eternal. Many are the movements of the Holy Spirit in our heart and in our soul. But those are the movements of the spirit of life. Those are the movements of Christ himself. You know where our real journey is? It's not a journey going to Christ. I'll be talking about that in, in our monthly CDs with regard to Zion. Because we're saying we're marching to Zion Beautiful, beautiful Zion. Well, I'm, we're not marching to Zion. You are come to Mount Zion. Now, if we want to march in Zion and walk about Zion <laughs> and walk about the city of God, if we want to grow up in Christ, if we want to walk in the light as He is in the light, fine. But that's not walking, as it were, to Christ. That's walking in Christ. That's not waiting on a new creation. That's living in a new creation. Knowing that it is Christ who liveth in me. See, hon, the natural mind simply can't get a hold of this. And when we try to, theologically, try to, we make it in our own understanding, something less than it is. And that's why people get excited about one day going to heaven. Because they say, well, because then, then, then everything is perfect. Hun, your salvation is the perfect one right now. Right now. You want to walk on 
street. See, there aren't any such thing as streets of gold, but the street, then walk in the light as he is in the light. You want to, you want to, you want to swim in the river of life. You want to walk out beyond the ankles and knees and waist and waters to swim in. That's Christ. That's Christ. Walk in the light as he is in the light. We have now come. We have now come. All right, I need to close just now because this is nothing sermonizing about any of this. I just pick up here on one verse and we go as long as we can and then come back generally and pick up on the same verse. But what I want to get across today is we're not looking for a salvation that is yet to come. No, we're looking, looking in our heart and soul for that to which we are now come, to that in whom we now dwell, to that who now lives in us. It is Christ. It is Christ. So let me read two verses here. 2 Corinthians 4.18. It's the end of the fourth chapter as it is written in the King James Version. Look at this. While we look not. Here's another one of the not but. Not but. Not I but Christ. Not I, not flesh but spirit. Not corruptible, but incorruptible. And in every case, that which is but is always Christ. Always found, whatever it says, is always found in Him. Not flesh, but spirit in Christ. Not of, not of bloods, not of the mixture of bloods, but of the Spirit of God. That's Christ. While we look not on the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And that's Christ. That's Christ. The things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. That's in Christ. And the very next sentence he writes in this letter. Forget about Chapter 5, verse 1, it's the next sentence in his letter. Look what he said. While, while, W-H-I-L-E, while. In other words, this is the way we're living. While, while we look not. While we look not at the things which are seen. The things which are not seen. For the one is temporal, the other is eternal. For we know. And the word there could be, the word for, chapter 5, verse 1, could be, could be, it means, it could be, therefore. 
because of what he just said, while we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things seen are temporal, the things not seen are eternal. Therefore, because this is the way we look, this is what we understand, this is how we live, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, that which is seen, were dissolved, we have, we have, not we'll get one day, not is coming to us, not one day it'll be so. We have a building of God, eternal, honey, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. It's the same thing for the things which seen are, are, are temporal, but the things not seen are eternal. Therefore, therefore, we know that if the earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, from that verse, maybe in this next session, we'll go to Hebrews 8, because that's where I have it marked out here to go, and read this great summation. Because again, it's about what we have. We have such a high priest. And it links right here, right here with we have a building of God. Why? Because that high priest has brought us into a place that is not made with hands also. In verse 8, chapter 8 and 9 of Hebrews. And I really want to get there, and I haven't gotten there every time I sat down here to do that, but we will, we will. I just would have us to go there with a proper mindset. Not what we will have one day, but what we do have now and forever in Christ Jesus. Thank you for being with us in these studies that are presented to you out from this place. And we just appreciate it so much. Uh, if there's any way that we can help you, uh, any way that we can, can exercise ministry toward you, perhaps, other than we're now doing, let us know. Any questions, let us know. Comments, you're welcome to send them. And I thank you who are working with us and are so faithful in your support because you're not, your support is not so that we can continue to exist. That, that's not the point. Or that we can continue to be here in this building. That's not the point. Your help is with us reaching out beyond with this gospel, reaching throughout the Lord's body and around the world with this gospel. For that, we do thank you, because that's what your support is used to do. And we do thank you for that support. May the Lord richly bless you. And looking forward to being with you again.
Amen.